heart surgery. You're going to have to help him preach. Amen. Praise God. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and to feel the presence. There is a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost here. I don't know if you can feel it or not, but I can feel it down in the inside. Hallelujah. It's so good to be here. And uh, I did not anticipate being here, but we met, Brother Burton and I met up in a music store the other day, and he asked me what I was doing today, and I said, well, not anything that I know of except going to go to church. Hallelujah. And that's our life. Amen. Everybody is celebrating. I'm celebrating too. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not celebrating like the world. And you're not celebrating like the world. But there was a birth. Hallelujah. And it was the God of the universe that came down and enveloped himself in the robe of flesh. Hallelujah. And he dwelt among men. Amen. I am excited about it. I am thrilled about it. The world does everything in a big way. They give all the gifts and all of that. But you know what? The thing that I want to give him the most is myself. Hallelujah. I want to give him an offering of myself. Praise the Lord. Is because he gave himself. Amen. We are debtors today, church. Amen. And I want to pay my debt. I want to pay it. Don't you? We are debtors today, but thank the Lord. There was a birth. I don't know if it was on December 25th or not. I don't know. Nobody really knows, I guess, but uh, we've all got our opinions. But let me tell you something. I don't major on that. Hallelujah. It was who was born and what happened after his birth that really counts. And he purchased our salvation at Calvary. Hallelujah. It's so good to be here and to feel the presence of the Lord. Brother and Sister Burton was saying, oh, our crowd's going to be down, so much down. That don't bother me. Hallelujah. I preached when just Sister Allard and my boys was together, just the four of us. Amen. And, and so that don't bother me. We've got a big crowd today. Where is all the rest of them? That's, well, that's their, that's their problem. That's not ours. I heard one fellow one time say, well, he said, well, half the church is missing. Well, that's all right. When the cows come to the barn, do you le- don't feed the cows that are here just because the others aren't here? No, no. We're going to feed who's here today. Amen. Amen. And those that miss out, they've just missed out. Hallelujah. Sister Allard, would you come today? And I want to say I appreciate the prayers of this church praying for us. Amen. Uh, of course, you all know that we, that I, I say we, just had heart surgery uh, November 1st. And I did not anticipate going to the hospital to have heart surgery. That was a shock to me as much as to anybody. But you know what? The Lord was there. Amen. Amen. He knew all about it. And, uh, but we're doing good. The, uh, the doctor has released us to go back to Africa. We are leaving the 29th 
of January going back home. Hallelujah. We're just visitors here. Amen. But uh, I got to thinking this morning of our pastors that have already preached their morning message and getting ready or probably into their evening message now and might be even finished with their evening service. And I thought, Lord, bless them. But I just got a deep down longing on the inside to be with them. Hallelujah. To drive those bush trails, to preach in those little bush churches again, even in our larger churches. We're excited, getting ready to go back. Hallelujah. And we need your prayers. Praise the Lord. Sister Allard, would you come? I don't know what you're going to do. Testify, sing, do something, but I know you can't. Praise the Lord. I do want to say how much I have felt the presence of the Lord in this service, and I love it. And I want to tell you, frankly, I feel sorry for people that are celebrating the Lord today. That's what they say they're doing. They don't feel what we feel. I mean, they're just doing it in so many ways, silly, stupid ways. But to feel the presence of the Lord is so precious and so sweet. And I do want to thank him just for coming. His coming was important, but his going was more so. And then his resurrection, his coming back was very important. And I appreciate the presence of the Lord. And I want to worship him. I was thinking this morning of a a verse that I thought of a a lot last year. And um, I don't even know if I can think of it in English now. But it's the uh, about uh, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is just our reasonable service. And uh, so many times, as uh, I was thinking on that earlier last year before we came back to the States, I kept anticipating and thinking about that scripture, just thinking and thinking and thinking on it. And I began to just uh, do some uh, scripture search on it. And and I was reading the Old Testament at that time as we were reading our bread for the year. My husband and I always read the Bible through every year, at least one time. And um, I several times I came into the Old Testament where Abraham, I believe it was, and maybe later Isaac or someone, uh, when they had to bury someone or they had to offer a sacrifice and they went to buy a piece of ground somewhere to make their sacrifice and and uh, the person offered the, 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 uh, the place to them free and they said no we will not offer anything unto God which has cost us nothing so if we have a few trials and we have a few tests and we have a few difficult times in this life that's just part of the price that's just part of the price that we're paying and I thank the Lord that it costs us a little something. And I do want to thank you for your prayers, too, for my husband and for me. Um, he didn't know a lot that was going on. It was me that was in my right mind. <laughs> and really, it was difficult. I have to tell you that I guess living overseas and not really having contact with you don't, although you love your people dearly, 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 and you work with them closely, they do not have the finance, they do not have telephones, they do not have the way to, to be in our presence as often as we would like for them to be or that they would like to be. Uh, they don't have the money to come too often. 
and they don't have the money to call and that kind of thing. So unless we are in their church visiting them or whatever, sometimes we don't see them for a few months at a time. But um, so because of that, actually, over the years, especially since our boys have left home, we've just had one another. Uh, most of, many of the hours of the day, uh, and uh, you don't have the come and go in people's homes and everything and the closeness of, of family and whatever that you do here in the States. And so you do get much closer. You're not, kids are not running their direction with other kids and this and that, and we just have one another. And because of that, you get so very, very close. And uh, so when this time came, it was... It was a time for decisions, but it was also a difficult time. And it was a time for me just to say, God, now, I'm, I'm frightened. I'm scared. I'm really, really scared. And I really was scared. I'll tell you, I was almost a basket case. And I hate to admit that to you, because I have told people all of my life that God is a healer and that God can keep, he can keep us in any situation. And I knew he could, and I was glad that I knew in my heart that he could. But I was afraid he wouldn't. <laughs> and, no, I guess I was just afraid that, that my husband could go on out into eternity. And I knew if he did, he would be in a better place. But it was still a frightening time for me. And I want to thank all of our, the family of God. Really, that's when you realize how important it is to have a family, the family of God, because people were contacted around the world. I don't know how many people called us just when he was in the hospital. The, the switchboard said, I don't know if this is another reverend or what, but she said the, the whole world seems like they're trying to get a hold of you. The, the switchboard is jammed with people trying to call and just ask how he was and say that we're praying. And so many people have been dear and kind to us just by praying and showing their love and concern. And we want to thank you so much for your prayers. And again, we ask you for your prayers as we return back to Africa. We're anxious to get going. It's been a hard time. It's been a busy time because Brother Allard's not been able to do a lot of the preparation this time as he usually does, which has fallen a lot on my shoulders. And I'm glad to do it because I'm anxious to get back. But we do need your prayers during this next month. We have a little bit more traveling to do and then not the finish of our packing and whatever. And uh, we need your prayers during this time and to go back with us and to stay with us while we're there this time. Worship as I try to sing a song that's not too, too, too old. I've probably sang it here three or four times. I don't even know. I'm not sure of the key, but I'll do the best I can. When I was just a child, I heard a beautiful story, how you gave to die on Calvary. And though I claimed you way back 
thin as Lord Almighty. Things haven't changed. Your love's still the same. You're still Lord to me. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. In little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. You'll always be mine for all of time. You're still Lord to me. Some have called you Lord, but now they serve another. When I made my choice, it was forever, just as before. But now even more, you're still Lord to me. You're still Lord, you're still my in little or much I still feel your touch you're still Lord you're still Lord you're still my father you'll always be for all of time, you're still Lord to me. Some have called you Lord, but now they serve another. Two worldly things, their hearts have pledged its loyalty. But as for me, when I made my choice, it was forever, just as before. But now even more, you're still Lord to me. You're still my Lord. You're little or much I still feel your touch you're still Lord 
You're still Lord. You're still my Father. You'll always be mine for all of time. <coughs> You're still Lord. You're still my Father. In little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord, you're still Lord, you're still my Father, just as before, but now even more, you're still Lord to me. When I was just a child, I heard a beautiful story, how you came to do on Calvary, and I claimed to wait back then as Lord Almighty. Things haven't changed. Your love's still the same. You're still Lord to me. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. In little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. You'll always be mine for all of time. You're still Lord to me. Let's just worship the Lord right now. Just lift up your hands and magnify him. He's still Lord. He's still on the throne. He's still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's still the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's the God that we serve today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I feel the presence of the King. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of the, the, the glory that we give him today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. It's so good again to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And just to be able to magnify His name. Amen. Hallelujah. Today, I, I'd like to teach a lesson. I don't know if I... I don't know how long I can last. 
I run out of steam real quick now, and uh, I used to go a long time, but I don't go as long. And of course, this is our second time to preach since we had an operation, so we'll have to go a little bit slow. Amen. Some people, and let me say this, uh, everybody goes through heart surgery, or not everybody, a lot of people do, and uh, we sometimes say, well, it's, it's not all. It wasn't the heart surgery that bothered me. I come through it all right. It was the angiogram uh, before the heart surgery is because when we went in, the doctor told me, he said, you'll just be here about eight hours and after everything's all right, you can get up and you can go home and, and then we'll give you the results and all of that. And um, so I said, all right. But uh, it didn't work out all right. Because they took and took the angiogram and took me back up to recovery for a few hours. And they said, I'd just be there a short while and everything calmed down. But what they did not know is the doctor did not hit the vein the very first attempt. Nor did he hit it the second attempt. But he got it on the third attempt. So when they took us back to recovery, they put the pressure on the place where they had made the puncture, and the doctor did not know that he had punctured me two other times. And so I was internally bleeding, and they did not know it. And uh, they did not know it till the nurse came in, and they saw that there was blood seeping, and so the nurse proceeded to stop it. And uh, she said, it'll just be a few minutes. We'll have it stopped and everything. Uh, but then it didn't do it. She cut off my blood supply. And uh, I was, my blood pressure had dropped to 43 over 10. Now, I don't know if you know if that's good or not. But you don't live very long in that state. And so I felt myself slipping away. And my oldest son, Brian, was by, by my side. And I said, son, I am dying. And I could feel that I was dying. And I knew in my spirit that I was dying. And I heard them call for the code blue and all of that. And all the doctors became, started running and... Uh, I guess we got their attention. But uh, I felt as I was dying, I felt, Lord, now my work is not done yet. But if this is it, I'm ready. I felt there was a peace in the Holy Ghost. But yet I did feel in my spirit that my work was not done. And so the Lord just brought me back. And, uh, of course, after the doctor, after they stabilized everything, uh, the doctor, he told me, said, uh, what was you trying to do to us, scare us? I said, no, I think you was trying to scare me. <laughs> uh, but it was quite a shock. But the Lord was good to us. 
Amen. And let me say this. If you live in a place, and I'm not saying this boastfully, but if you live in a place with God, you can ask God to do some things, and He'll do it. But if you're not in the place where you ought to be with God, you really don't have a right to ask Him of anything. We've got to live in a place where we know that our relationship with God is in good standing. Hallelujah. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. And some of us, we try to live in such a place that we can please the world and we can please God at the same time. And we can't do it. We just can't do it. And this morning I would like to teach or preach or whatever I'm going to do is talk about the house that we build. And it's important the way that you build your spiritual house. And it is important the relationship that you have with God and make sure that that relationship is maintained with Him. Some people live for God like a roller coaster. They're up and they're down. They're up today. They're down tomorrow. And they are constantly having to have the pastor come by and, and, and give them a patty cake. Now, I don't know if this will be in good taste with you today, but this is what I feel that the Lord gave us this morning because... I am not an evangelist. Hallelujah. I really don't know what I am. I guess I'm a revivalist, Brother Burton. I just try to go by and encourage people to live for God and, and make them aware that, hey, we, we just can't fool around with God. We, we have got to be right down to business in living for God. You're in this only for one time. Hallelujah. You've got one life, and you've got to make the best of it. Praise the Lord. And like I say, I'm not an evangelist, but you will have an evangelist coming. Uh, my son, Steve, will be here in a few days, the Lord willing. And uh, he's an evangelist. He's a preacher. Uh, uh, I told somebody, I said, well, if I could preach like my sons, I'd just or shut my Bible and sit down and listen to them. But uh, let me encourage you. Invite people to come out to your revival. It's not the evangelist that brings the revival. It's you. Hallelujah. If you start praying and fasting now for what you want God to do during the revival, you'll have, you'll have people get the Holy Ghost. It will change the face of your church. Hallelujah. But unless you invite them, don't, don't expect the evangelist to do all the work. He's going to come and preach conviction that will cause people to realize their state of situation, and they will come repent of their sins. But it's you that's got to get the people here, church. And if, you're, if you walk away and you say, well, we didn't have anybody get the Holy Ghost. We didn't have a, a, the revival just was this, blah. It was your fault. Right. 
Hallelujah. You can't have a fire in a fireplace unless you got some wood. That's right. So you got to go out and chop the wood and bring it in so it can be put in the fireplace and the match put to it. Then you'll have fire in the fireplace. Hallelujah. But if not, don't blame the pastor. Hallelujah. Well, we didn't have a good revival. Well, it's you that got to bring them. Now, if the pastor didn't say me, ask me to say this. I'm saying it because I feel it. That we need revival in our churches. And we got to realize that if we are going to reach people, we've got to knock on the doors. We've got to bring them. We've got to encourage them to come. And when they come, leave it to the preaching of the Word to touch their hearts. You don't have to clean them and scale them. Hallelujah. You just bring them. Hallelujah. Amen. But this morning I'd like to take my thought from the book of Samuel and talk about the house that we build. And this is all in our living for God. It's all in how we work for Him, how we walk with Him, and just in general, our relationship with the Lord. Now, I'm going to talk about two characters in the Word today, and they're so familiar. Uh, I'm going to talk about King Saul, and I'm going to talk about King David, and then I'm going to talk about us. And the us part is really what we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty on. Because David's already lived his life, and Saul's already lived his life, but we're in the process of living our life. And so that's really where it counts. But let me bring you just a few verses of Scripture. In the 10th chapter of 1 Samuel, uh, I would like to read verse 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, upon the head of Saul, and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? You know the story how that Saul had lost uh, the donkeys and, and uh, Saul and his uh, armor bearer or his friend went out with him to look for them. They searched for them for three days and how that they came upon the seer Samuel, and Samuel told them, but the Lord already had talked to Samuel about anointing Saul as the king. And then as we look at it here, Saul is being anointed as the captain of the Lord's army or over in his inheritance. And then in the sixth verse, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon thee, or will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. At the anointing of King Saul, there was a spirit that came upon him, and he became another man. And as long as Saul stayed humble in the sight of God, he was used of God, and God used him.
God gave him another what? Another heart. Hallelujah. He changed him. Saul is not the same man that he was when he first went to the seer's house. Hallelujah. He was changed into another man. His heart was changed. His heart was turned toward God. His heart was turned toward seeking God. And so we find everything is running smooth according to the plan. And then in the 10th verse, it says, And then there came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And Saul became known as a prophet. Why? Is because of the spirit uh, that he had in him. We look at it at the beginning. Uh, everything seems uh, just to be like it ought to be. Uh, everything seems so rosy. Uh, and everything seems like it's running smooth. Uh, but somewhere along the line, uh, there was another spirit uh, that began to make inroads into the life of Saul uh, and Saul became disobedient. It's a tragedy how we see people begin their walk with God and we see the anointing of God upon their lives and they run so well for a time but somewhere along the line something overtakes them uh, and they're not like they used to be. Their spirit, uh, of course, when people come to the altar and they repent of their sins uh, and they're baptized in Jesus' name uh, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, oh, they're so submissive. Uh, they're, they're, they're willing to do anything. Uh, they're just bubbling over with joy. Uh, and uh, uh, we owe moss backs. Uh, I, uh, that's what I call us. Uh, if we've been in the church very long, we've become mossbacks. And if you don't know what that means, you'll have to go find out. We, we know it all. We have been down the road. There's nothing you can tell us about church. We have been through a lot. Yeah, they, boy, look at them. They're jumping and juking and jiving and doing all that. And they're speaking. Oh, they'll calm down after a little while. And, and we just sit back on the old pew and we cross our legs. And uh, uh, when they're praying and they're having their real Pentecost, uh, we're just sitting back and said, yeah, just give them a few years. They'll calm down and they'll become like us. Y'all know what I'm talking about because some of us live that way. Hallelujah. But oh, the excitement. And they cannot do enough and cannot have enough church. They want church every night, Brother Burton. 
and, and anything you ask them to do, they're willing to do it because they have that fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. They come by and ask somebody's had the Holy Ghost 25 or 30 years and say, well, Brother Burton, we got something else we're planning on doing. And, and uh, hey, let me tell you something. If church is not number one in your life, you're not where you ought to be in God. That's right. If church is not number one in your life, folks, you are not ready to, for the rapture. Hallelujah. Because everything that we do ought to focus around our serving God and our church. Hallelujah. Our relationship with God. But it's true. I have seen it so many times. I have been preaching a little while. Uh, not all that many years, but 31 years, I feel, might qualify me a little bit. Uh, but uh, I have found people that you can say, will you do this? Uh, and they've been in church a lot. Well, um, uh, maybe next week, but I've got other things that I want to do. Uh, but you ask a new, fresh-born saint in the church, uh, hey, brother, could you do this? Or sister, could you do this? Well, we had other plans, uh, but Brother Burton... Because of the church, uh, we're going to just leave those plans uh, and we'll reschedule some other things. Uh, but what is it that you want done? Uh, and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? Saul was like other men till he got to the seer's house uh, and was anointed with the oil. Uh, and the Bible said uh, that he become another man. Why? It's because God had put another heart in him. Changed him. But somewhere in that first two years, uh, something happened to Saul. He become exalted. Uh, hey, I'm the king now. Who's this Samuel? He's just one of the subjects of my kingdom. And he, the seer, oh yeah, I, I still have a, a lot of respect for him, but uh, my authority exceeds his authority. But remember who anointed you. Who anointed you, Samuel? I mean, Saul. It was Samuel that anointed you. And Samuel had the call of God on his life. And he poured the oil on your head and proclaimed that he is going to be the captain over the Lord's inheritance. But let me tell you something. Somewhere down the line, there was a spirit that got a hold of Samuel that really was not of God. But the devil came in and began to talk and began to sow things in his mind. Let me tell you, church, if we get away from praying and fasting and get a hold of God, the devil can come in and take 
that kindred spirit uh, that you had with the Lord uh, and that relationship uh, that you had with God uh, and bring you to a point uh, where you say, I can do it all by myself. I really don't need the church anymore. I really don't need the pastor anymore. I am a mature Christian, and I, can, I, I feel that I can determine what is right and wrong in the Word, and I still come to church, and I still reluctantly pay my tithes. Hallelujah. And I still give my free will offerings. I still cooperate, but it's just not right down in here. I do it because, well, I do it because I feel that there is a need for it. But really, I don't need a pastor anymore. He reads the Word. I read the Word. What's the difference? Did you know how long it took God or how long it took to move Saul out of his office of king? Somewhere around 38 years that Saul reigned as king without the blessings of God. He still held to the throne. He still had all the authority. He still could say to this one, go, and he'd go. He could say to that one, come, and he would come, because he was still the king. He was still considered the anointed. But somewhere along the line, he lost out, and Samuel said, Oh, Saul, what you've done today, you should have not. But the Lord told him, he said, because of your disobedience, you have been rejected as king of Israel. But oh, let me tell you, church, he still had his throne. He still had his power, but there was no power of the Spirit. There was no blessing that came to him. Let me tell you, you can sit on a church pew uh, and you can sit there for years and years and years uh, and still be faithful but not have the blessings of God uh, because uh, of a rebellious spirit. We need to really watch our attitudes. Hallelujah. And of course, we'll get over to David after a little bit. But let me tell you something. It's not our holiness that's going to put us down. We'll dress holy, and I'm not here to preach a holiness message, but we'll put our sleeves down where they ought to be. We'll get our dresses down where they ought to be and our collars up where they ought to be. Let's hope anyway. Hallelujah. We'll keep our hair uncut because that's biblical. And, and, and we won't even do hairdos 
to the point where they look like the world. Did I say that right, Mom? Hallelujah. And, and, and we men will keep our hair cut short. And we'll do all of those exterior things. But still yet have a stinking spirit. And our attitudes is not, our attitude is not what it ought to be. Saul did not do anything wrong in governing his kingdom that God had allowed him to be king over. The only thing that he did was disobey a commandment that he should not do this. But as far as governing the people, Saul's life could not be touched. Think about it, church. Now, like I said, I don't know why God gave me this this morning, but uh, I feel that I'm in the will of God. If the shoe fits, wear it. If it don't, throw it on over the back, but try both of them before you do. Hallelujah. Amen. But uh, our relationship, our attitudes, hallelujah. Sometimes we gloat in our holiness and we put down the rest of the world because of our holiness now I don't know how many people of you people have traveled back east but let me tell you what if you get around the Amish people their holiness will look, make us look like we're just beginners I mean when they walk out they're dressed holy that's right, aren't they, Sister Allard? We almost want to go up and say, are you apostolic? But we know what area we're in. When we get around Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Indiana, and Illinois, we know that we're an Amish country. But you see, that's not it. That is a part of it. And we can't neglect that. But sometimes our attitudes are so bad that... that our holiness doesn't amount to anything because of our attitudes that we have. And let me tell you something. When we get a bad attitude, we get a rebellious spirit. And we get to the point where nobody is going to tell me what to do. Hallelujah. And Saul, he got to the point where nobody could tell him what to do. So finally, and I'm just going to paraphrase a lot of this because there would be so much reading in the Scripture, that finally, when he realized that, that he had been rejected of God, he had to turn on somebody, and he turned on his best friend, David. You know how David and King Saul met out at the battlefield? And how that David, he brought down the giant. Uh, and uh, Saul took David home uh, and made him like one of his sons. Uh, but after a while, people began to realize uh, 
that uh, David had the blessing of God on him and they began to turn toward David because they saw the blessing of God resting on him and they saw that the, uh, the uh, uh, what is it? Can't think of malediction. The curse was upon Saul. The people could see this. The people could see the way that Saul walked and they compared it with the way that David walked. And the Bible said in the book of 2 Samuel 3 and 1, and the house of David got stronger and stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Why? It was because of a relationship that they had with God. Oh yes, we condemn David uh, in later years uh, for the sin that he committed. Uh, but David's heart was always turned toward God. Uh, God, David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, but let me tell you something. David was tender. He was open. His attitude, his relationship was always right with God. And so... The king turned against his best friend and tried to drive him from his presence. At first, the spirits would come. Let me tell you something, church. When we get out of contact with God and we begin to drift a little bit, we begin to look for something else that will appease us. And usually, we go to the world for that appeasement or for something that will satisfy us. Most generally, when people get out of church, they quit church, the very first thing they're going to do is go buy a television. May not buy one now. They might buy the vi video, but it's all the same. There's no difference between video and television. Hey, and let me tell you something. If you haven't got the bombshell yet... You better watch out for computers. <laughs> They're getting videos now where you just go buy the little adapter and plug it in and you can sit there and look at your little old computer screen and watch video. That's not nearly right. That is right. Hallelujah. Anyway, that's what they do. They just run out there and they get this and, and they'll start buying other things that will appease them. And so you know what? When that spirit came upon Saul, what did they do? They said, let's get somebody that can play a harp. Let's go out and look for something uh, outside of the Spirit of God uh, that can appease our king uh, and satisfy him. And so they chose David. But then after a while, that thing did not satisfy him. And even one time, he even threw the javelin at David while he was playing the harp, and David just slipped on out. Hallelujah. I believe David was man enough to walk up to King Saul 
and slap him down if he wanted. Even though Saul stood head and shoulders above all men in the kingdom, I believe that David had enough in him that he could take that king, and he knew that he could take that king, but he just, just held back and said, No, he was anointed by the man of God, and I'm not going to touch him, but my time will come. Hallelujah. Oh, church, sometimes uh, we want to get vengeance, uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, if we're going to live for God, uh, your day will come. Our day's going to come, church, uh, when God is going to avenge uh, us of all of our adversaries. Uh, God's going to take control of this uh, and take it all. Hallelujah. And he's going to bring his people and exalt them. And so Saul looks for the world. Get me somebody that can appease me. Get me something that will appease my spirits. Hallelujah. Nothing is going to appease you outside of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And so, we read in 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter, 6 through the 9th verse, where that David was exalted or Saul was, David was exalted, and Saul was brought low. Hallelujah. Sometimes you wonder in the church, why are people blessed more than others? Is because of their walk with God. Because their relationship with God. Is because you don't know the time that they slip away and find a prayer room. You don't know the times that they have pushed back from the table and said, I'm going to give this day to seeking the face of my God. And we come to church and we really don't see any outward uh, manifestation, but yet they're there, they're faithful, and they pray and all of this. And you wonder, well, why isn't things going like they ought to with me and, and look at so and so they're always being blessed uh, let me tell you something church uh, it's our attitude uh, and our relationship with God uh, if you want the blessings of God uh, we need to get into the shadow of the cross uh, and let God move and let God flow in our lives uh, it's so easy it's so easy to let little things just eat us down to nothing the worst thing that can hit a church is jealousy and a bickering and fussing and fighting spirit. Hallelujah. But if we can keep our relationship with God and we can keep our head up and our vision elevated and looking to Him, let me tell you something. We're not going to have a spirit of Saul. We're not going to have a rebellious spirit. We're not going to have a spirit that we have been rejected or anything like that. But there is a praise that goes forth. There is a relationship that we have with him. You see, uh, it's so easy just to stay close to him. If I go out and sin... I've got to go against the Word of God. 
I got to go against my pastor. I got to go against the testimonies of the church. I got to go against my conscience. But to praise him, all I have to do is lift my hands and start worshiping and exalting him and saying, Lord, I love you. I praise you. Hallelujah. But you see, some people will come and they will have that form of godliness. Somebody get me 2 Timothy 2, 3, 5, please. 2 Timothy 3, 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power from thereof, from such turn away. There are some people that we have to be careful of. There are some people that I, have, that I can't get around. It's because they have a tendency to influence me and influence the way that I live. And I'm not saying that's all bad. But let me tell you something. There are some people that do not bring a good influence to you. And the longer and the more that you stay around them, the worse it affects you spiritually. I have found that I can't be around my family very long, Brother Burton. And I love all of my family, but I can't be around them very long unless they would become uh, or start affecting me and start affecting my spiritual life. And so, therefore, I just go see them. I be nice to them, and uh, I recognize them. But then I'm on my way. I'm looking for somebody that speaks the same language that I have. Hallelujah. I want to get around somebody that thinks like I think. I want to get around somebody that serves God. Hallelujah, like I serve God. I want you to know we've got to lay aside everything that's not like him. And we ought to love each other in this church more than the world. Hallelujah. Like I say, I love my family. But let me tell you, I'd rather be around the church people any day more than them. And there's some I count, I count closer than my own family. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know if you've experienced that or not. But let me tell you something, sir, church. We, we, I said it once. We only have one opportunity in this life to live for God. I thought when I started church over 40 years ago, I thought, my, Brother Terry, he preached the Lord's coming. Well, I thought, well, the way he's preaching it could be tomorrow. And I better make some business here. I better get right down to, uh, to serving God. And I got in church, and uh, first year went by, and he's still preaching. God's coming. Better get ready. One day I thought, hmm, I've been in this probably 20 years, and he hadn't come yet. What am I going to do? I served him 20 years, and he hadn't come yet. Well, I better serve him another 20 that 20's come and gone. I better serve him another 20. But I believe he's coming. I still believe that his coming is intimate. And he's getting ready to come after people that have made themselves ready. So we, the house that we build, you build it 
Hallelujah. Brother Clark, you build your own house. Brother Muncie, you build your own house. I don't build it for you. Your pastor don't. He just tries to direct you according to the plan. And you got to build according to the plan. But it's up to you. Hallelujah. He's not going to tell you how many times a week you have to fast. He's not going to tell you how many hours that you got to pray. He's not going to do it. That's up to you. You got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hallelujah. But the pastor's there to see, to encourage, to keep you, keep you on track, to keep the Word of God flowing, hallelujah, into you, that you can continue to build the house. Hallelujah. He's giving you the material. Use it. Use it. Well, I don't really have confidence in the man of God. Well, you better get confidence. We better get confidence. Hallelujah. Because there's some people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. So don't think, and I don't say this in a negative spirit today. I come to you with a spirit of love and, and to encourage you. But don't think just because you come to church, you got it made. Don't think just because you come and sit on a pew that you got it made is because there's going to be some things that's required of you. Hallelujah. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to Him. Hallelujah. And I don't say this derogatory but I'm not going to prove you my faithfulness. I'm going to prove my faithfulness to God, and when I'm right with God, I'm right with this man. Right. We can sit down side by side. Hallelujah. My relationship with God's okay, so I know I'm okay with Him. Right. And if His relationship with, with, with God is okay, then He's okay with me. You see, this is how we know one another spirits hallelujah brother burton was talking about that fellow that said uh, that uh, they came in there with that drum and he couldn't tell whether they had the holy ghost or or real or or the or the imitation in the drama or the play let me tell you something church if you've got a relationship with god your spirit bears witness hallelujah uh, and i don't say it boastfully but i walk into a church and it doesn't take me long to check a church out real quick. Uh, I walked up to the pastor one day, and I, I said, uh, Hey, I, I, first time I'd ever been in a church. I said, Pastor, who's that fellow over there? And um, I said, Before you tell me, I said, He's living in sin. I went over, and I, I just spoke to him a few minutes, and, and it just seemed like the Spirit spoke to me and said, Hey, that man's living in sin. And I told, I told the pastor, I said, that man is living in sin. He said, don't tell me that. He's my song leader and he's my assistant pastor. I said, I don't, I said, I don't care who he is. I said, he's living in sin. And it proved out too. It's our relationship with God, church. It's how we walk with God. And God can talk to you the same way. I mean, he's not going to start telling you all that. But your relationship can say, 
Well, hey, they're not where they ought to be. If I walk into a place and they say, hmm, they got a drum on tonight and they're all supposed to speak in tongues and then the pastor says he can't tell. I could tell. Yeah. Hallelujah. You could tell if we keep our attitude right. We keep a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Don't become a Saul. He stayed king 38 years thereabouts over Israel when he was rejected of God. 